all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. Bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> you can follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Yes, do all of those things. Yes. <laughs> um, we are, I guess today we sort of got the tail end of a tropical storm. Really just some rain. Pretty Not much. nearly as bad as what it appears to be in New York City no. right now. The subway is flooding and yeah. the expressways are flooding. Uh, and then the West is burning and people are dying of heat stroke. It's a great time to be alive. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Buildings are crumbling to the ground, always, sections of them anyway. I always said our last uh, episode would either be about climate change or capitalism. Or we might never get to air it. Like, <laughs> That's because... exactly right. We may not know when the end is coming. Because <laughs> like a, a fucking like, tornado will come out of, like an, mm-hmm. F, like an F6 will come out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> the end is near, friends. <laughs> that, that is one topic we have yet to do is the, the 2011 North Carolina tornadoes oh the ones were, we experienced there yeah were quite mm-hmm. a few of them mm-hmm. and it did cause a lot yeah, of tragedy it did. it did do you know what the death toll was in the area i would say a couple dozen something really like that. that many i thought I it was so. maybe just a few people i know building damage was bad yeah downtown property damage was bad yeah downtown raleigh was mm. uh shut down oh yeah for like three days most tragically erp seafood <laughs> the famous erp, erp seafood, seafood was no more yeah they rebuilt yeah so I mean, I can't say I'm particularly, like, thrilled that a seafood place that exists in the center of a state, not surrounding an ocean. Well, the, the ocean's uh, pretty close. It's, it's close, it's close within, enough. It's within an hour and a half or you, so. You can throw it in an ice truck. It'll be just fine. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a, like, deep-fried seafood place at the fairgrounds, like the state farm that... State, yeah. uh, Farmer's market. Yeah, Raleigh does have, like, a strange connection to seafood. Mm-hmm. It, like, it's here, but it's not exactly organic. Well, it's, it's not. It's, it's, cl- it's, it's close it's by. It's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's freshish. <laughs> yeah, fresh, freshish. Freshish fish. Yes. <laughs> um, so, this is technically our fourth anniversary episode. It will be, won't yeah, it? Yeah, this is coming out on the 12th. And our anniversary is on the 17th. Mm-hmm. So, yay us, four years. I know. That's wild. It is. And this is episode 210. 210. 210. So, after eight years, we'll be up to 420. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's when we should have done the war on drugs. Yes. Well, we <laughs> could do it again. Episode 420. We could do it again. I All mean, the updates. In the next four years, yeah. <laughs> of how worse it's gotten. Yeah. Or better. Maybe. I mean, the tide is finally turning, at least uh, from a policy standpoint, which is what really matters. Yeah. I will say that the state of North Carolina is at least seeing some yeah. movement in medical marijuana. We've gone to doing nothing to dragging our heels. Yeah. So there, it's, so it's that's progress. Uh, <laughs> you know, little by little. We have little. a shit legislature, we so do. it's something, you know. Yeah. What are we drinking tonight? We are drinking Bell's Oberon. Oberon Ale. I think Bell's is out of Colorado. 
I don't want to shimmy this out of the yeah. I don't feel like checking it again. I think it is Comstock, Michigan. Oh, that Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, that Colorado, Michigan. <laughs> um, so big topic, long episode, and also I changed my mind about ten times about how I was going to do this. First of all, I said it was going to be a two-parter, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> then I said it was going to be a two-parter, but it was really going to be two topics where, like, one carried over to the next. That's not going to happen either. <laughs> Just lots of changes surrounding my ambitions. Um, so I will reveal... I'll kind of intro the topic, and then I'll talk about what my ambitions had been. But anyway. Okay. So... Pictures. This is the story of the death of Princess Grace. Oh, come on! You can't, you can't bait and switch like that. <laughs> well, they knew what it was yeah. based on the title. I'm talking about, I'm talking about. I me. know. We'll get into that. I don't care about my audience <laughs> and how they feel. On September 13th, 1982, Princess Grace of Monaco yeah, was in a car accident near La Turbie, France, and died the following day. And by Princess Grace, we mean Grace Kelly, correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah, we're going to get into... We will learn a lot I'm about Grace Kelly. I'm not sure if I've seen a Grace Kelly movie. Have you seen Rear Window? I have, yeah. That was Grace, Grace Kelly. Kelly. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Who? What was the one we just watched like a month ago? The Hitchcock movie? No, it was a comedy. Oh, Bringing Up Baby with Katherine Hepburn. Katherine Hepburn, yeah. 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 She was actually pretty funny. She was really funny. She's yeah. very. She's. Katherine Hepburn's a really interesting lady. She did some really fascinating interviews on the Dick Cavett show back in the day. Like, she's, she's a cool lady. Complicated lady. Probably you wouldn't want her to be like your mom or something. Because she kind of reminded me of my grandma. And that was really mean to say that because of my grandma. But, um, like, a very specific... Anyway, I I don't... I won't wax on... um, Wax poetic on Catherine Hepburn. Because we're not talking about Catherine Hepburn. But, um, so... Grace Kelly, hello, Jean. Pictures in a magazine. What's that from? That's from Vogue, the Madonna song. Oh, <laughs> no wonder I didn't recognize it. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> because I can't stand Madonna. <laughs> she is my mother's age. Yes, she and is. I have never gotten over that. <laughs> so it's probably a hard thing to get over. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. So um, I here's what I was gonna do. Couple things. First, I was gonna do Princess Diana, the death of Princess Diana. It's been on my list forever. And I was going to do it as a two-parter. Because obviously it's a huge topic, right? It is. Because the fallout is is its own topic it's almost. It's hard to overstate her impact, <clears throat> mm-hmm. cultural impact. Then I got intimidated because I really struggled. First of all, I had to pump this out in a relatively short order. And I'm like, you can't pump out like three hours of information on Princess Di. I mean, you can, but it would just be like regurgitating other people's information, right? Sure. And I can't, and then the other thing was I'm like, what do I have to say that hasn't been said about Princess Diana? Like people have said everything about her. You're wrong about did a brilliant series on her. Like it was <laughs> rain legs. <laughs> <laughs> Please listen to the you're wrong abouts about Princess Diana. They're fantastic. But so I just had a crisis of I don't know what to say 
about Princess Diana. So then I had the idea of like, well, what if I do like a compare and contrast Princess Grace and Princess Diana, both princesses who died 15 years apart in horrible car accidents. You know, there's parallels there. And I started it and you know what? I was just like, there is just enough for Princess Grace to just cover her. Okay. And I felt more confident getting that done in the time frame that I had. So. so she dies in a car accident. As I said in the intro, yes. Okay. Yes, indeed. So did you not know that? I, d- I know nothing about it. Okay, yeah. great. Well, this will all be... I, I had, like, outline information, kind of, like, that I had... I only realized, by. like, a couple of years ago that Princess Grace was the actress Grace mm. Kelly. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. know that for the longest time. Like, you had heard of Grace Kelly and you had heard mm-hmm. of Princess Yeah, I'd heard Grace, of either of them, them and together. I didn't realize they were the same person. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a really interesting story. So, um, first off, main sources, biography.com, the Chicago Tribune, the Fact File, the Gambling Herald, which will be interesting to get to, the Grunge, the Guardian, Haggerty.com, Heavy, the Hitchcock Zone, because Hitchcock comes up a bit. The Independent, Investopedia, interestingly. The List, PBS, The Take, Town and Country Magazine, Wikipedia, and Woman's World. So, um, I will admit that I kind of had the impression that Grace Kelly was British. She's, she's not she's at American. all. She is totally yeah. American. Yeah. <laughs> I think in my head, it was sort of like, Emma Watson versus Emma Stone. One of them is American, one of them is British. True. Stone is American. Yes. Watson is Harry Potter British. Yes. Yes. Um, and Emma Stone came on the scene six, seven years after, eight years after. Well, because she wasn't Emma a Watson. child star, she right? Was not. She was more just an adult star. Um, and. That that sounded weird. No, just a star as an star adult. As an adult. Yeah. <laughs> to my knowledge, she has not uh, been an adult entertainer, um, in the non-literal sense. So, anyway, uh, no, she was not British at all. <laughs> she was completely American. In fact, she was born in Philly. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Give it up for Philly. <laughs> Pretty sure she was not in West Philadelphia, born and raised. I don't. I, so, in fact, I actually know because let's learn about her childhood. So, she was born on November twelfth, nineteen twenty nine. Which, if you think about like Hollywood stars during the golden age of Hollywood, that puts her actually on the younger end. Sure. People like Catherine Hepburn, Lucille Ball, Cary Grant, and we'll get into some of them. They were mostly Had born, already been in, born in the early 1900s to 1910s. Mm-hmm. So she's on the later end of this. Also, what do you think of when you think of November 1929? Oh, the stock market crash. Yes, she was born amidst the stock market crash. I think crash. the stock market crash happened in September. October. October, okay. Black Tuesday was in October, but the tanking of the stock market took several it weeks. It did. Uh, that ended like basically right around yeah. the time she was born. Because banks literally had to lock down and figure out what assets they had left mm-hmm. to pay off. There was a literal run <laughs> on bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually think we could cover the crash. Oh, of course. I think it's that would just be a good disaster. It's massively complex. Financial. And, yeah. Just, I mean. See, I feel like I could figure it out. I, I, I have no doubt that you could. It's just how would we be able to translate that in any sort of entertaining way possible. <laughs> that's <laughs> like a that's, good point. That's the tricky part. Without making it just be really boring. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, if anybody wants to get into the financial crisis, somebody who did do a very good job oh, that's a, of that's making it. That's a different one, though. You're yes. talking about the 08 crash, right? Financial I am. crisis? Okay. Yes. I'm talking about 29. 
Oh, okay. The stock market, the original stock market. Yeah, crash. we can do that one too. Oh, you're talking about the Big Short, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about Matt Taibbi's work. That oh, I did. okay, okay. He wrote well, a lot of articles about and two books. What were his books uh, surrounding that? Uh, the the main one that dealt with the financial crisis was um, the Divide, and okay. it's a very depressing book. It really is. Yeah. Like it takes you into the. Just the corporate underbelly of America. That's It's right there. It's right in front of our face. But yeah. lawsuits, little things, mm-hmm. all this litigation, it doesn't... I mean, it makes the newspaper, but on like the 16th page or right. the 50th click on the internet. Like, it's, it's not stuff that people pay attention well, to, but it's... But here's the thing. <laughs> this is the problem with some of the things that affect us the absolute most are the most boring. Oh, yeah. And that is yeah. what... If you want to do something evil, put it inside something boring. There you go. What's that from? I it's from uh, last week's night. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Oliver. Mm-hmm. But it's true. Like, yes. this, this, uh-huh. this kind of... And that's why all these lobbyists and all these people exist. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with free speech or the troops. It's... We're going to pay you off so just to make sure we can win these little battles in court all over. The, and just slowly yeah. chip away. Yeah. Chip mm-hmm. away. Chip away. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Grace Kelly. Yes. <laughs> uh, so... so, so Grace Kelly is essentially, she's going to become a star for the post-World War II generation. Yes. She was, she was born yes. during the mm-hmm. crash, raised during the Depression... Mm-hmm teenager during world war ii at the like, end of world war ii extremely mm-hmm. interesting yeah quite an arc yeah time to grow up <laughs> yeah. right now the thing is she did not grow up working class so interestingly a lot of that stuff that would have made for like an incredibly hard scrabble childhood didn't happen to her she was actually born into a high class family a a well-off family. They still existed during this time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, even with the crash, mm-hmm. right? So she was born um, into an affluent Irish Catholic family. Her name was Grace, Grace. Kelly. Mm-hmm. I believe it's her full name was Grace Francis Kelly. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, she sounds, that sounds Irish like a Catholic. 1929 yes. name of an Irish Catholic lady. <laughs> she had her parents were extremely athletic, and they were both born in Philly. So she was she was second generation American. Her mom was from German. Uh, heritage and her dad was from Irish heritage, hence Irish Catholic. Her mom converted from Presbyterianism to, or no, Luth. She was Lutheran, converted to Catholicism. Her uh, her mom was a woman's athletic coach and PE instructor. Which can you imagine being like a an athletic woman who teaches athletic women in the 1920s and 30s? Like she must have been kind I'm, of a badass. I'm surprised it wasn't illegal. I know. <laughs> And her dad was a bricklayer and a three-time gold medal Olympian in rowing. Oh. And dude was... Back when rowing mattered. Oh, I'm sure jacked. Yes. I mean, yeah. Jacked and very hearty looking, Uh, right? Like steely. Rowing is is fucking no joke. Oh, God. They have rowing machines for that exact reason. Yeah. I mean that's 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 super jacked for like 1929. Especially for right. Yeah. He's not roiding up. He, he's putting he's... <laughs> he's putting dudes today to shame. Yeah, extremely sculpted mm-hmm. there. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, Grace's older brother Jack Jr. followed in their dad's footsteps. He actually beat their dad's three gold medals with four of his own in rowing. Nice. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> right? Chew on this fourth gold medal. <laughs> 
Now, Jack Sr. grew his bricklaying skills into a multi-million dollar construction I was business. just going to say, he's not making, they're not affluent because he's a bricklayer. No, or an Olympian, <laughs> yeah. for that matter. That's true. You know, they, that was... Although back at this time, when you were an Olympian, you were relatively famous for the time. Like, the Olympics was a different thing. Fame is one thing, mm-hmm. but would but, you have had the endorsements like Yes. Or, oh, okay. Yeah. Olympians back then did make... Decent. Yeah, because well, they... Well, maybe that's why he's so well off is because mm-hmm. he started a good construction company. He probably took what he made yeah. from the Olympics because, again, this was when amateurism was still like an... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The IOC wasn't yeah. so... Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> shifty. So I'm guessing he probably took what he made from the Olympics and put it into yeah, starting that a company. Been. That could have been. Um, so... She uh, so like I said, Grace's childhood was pretty privileged. She went to private schools, like all through her schooling. So she was kind of like one of those finishing school kids, mm-hmm. sort of a thing. Uh, she started modeling in local fashion shows and acting in plays during her teenage years. She was very drawn to acting, even at a younger age. Um, and it makes sense that she was a model and later an actress because, and this is not taking away from any of her acting talents, because, yes, she was a very talented actor. She was gorgeous by conventional beauty standards. This is her. Oh, yeah. She's She's stunning. Damn. She kind of looks stunning. like Natalie Portman. Or vice versa. You know who played her, um, like, eight years ago in a movie? Who? Nicole Kidman. Uh, now, I, I don't see it facially. No. I think they were picking so- someone who kind of carried themselves more like Grace Kelly. She looks like her name is Grace Kelly. She does look like her <laughs> name is Grace Kelly. She's beautiful. <laughs> she is. She was beautiful. She really, really was. Again, that's not to, like, say she wasn't talented. She absolutely was. But she was also... It didn't hurt her that no. she was gorgeous. No. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she was into acting from a young age. She was influenced by two of her father's, uh, show business brothers. So he had two brothers who were in show business, Walter C. Kelly and George Kelly. Again, can't tell they're from an Irish Catholic family, right? So Walter was a vaudevillian performer. So just in case anybody's unfamiliar, because this is very far removed from vaudeville in 19, or in 2021, um, basically vaudeville was like a type of theater entertainment. Oh, sure. Yeah. Like somewhere between Broadway and circus. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, um, what am I trying to say? It was kind of like district theater. Variety show yeah. kind of stuff. Off, yeah. Offbeat and mainstream at the same time. It was extremely yeah. popular, um, in the late 19th and early 20th century. Basically, basically it was radio. Like the, it was like the CBGBs of the 19th. 20s and kind 30s. Of. Uh, but, um, but it was really popular. It was really popular. Radio kind of killed it. Radio and TV killed it. Um, but that was during... It was basically during like the late 19th, early 20th centuries. Go ahead. No, I'm not. You, you just ruined it. <laughs> well, I okay. ruined it. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did I interrupt you like the girl tends to? <laughs> So there were people, everything from like song and dance, traditional song and dance people, like kind of musical theater, to circus like performers, acrobats, well, jugglers. Plus, this is at a time when you're a performer, you have to know how to do everything, mm-hmm. which has kind of come back around a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Actually, a the lot. Multi talented. Uh-huh. Certainly, this the century. triple threats. Yeah. And, yeah, that's true. There was a time where it was like, oh, I just sing, or I just act, mm-hmm. or I just dance. Yeah. You know, but yeah, now a lot of people do. Yeah, multitasking, mm-hmm. right? 
George was also a vaudevillian, but he went on to become a playwright. He actually won a Pulitzer Prize for playwriting in 1926. So that was kind of her pedigree. Athletes and entertainers, you know. So it would have been a little weird if she'd become an accountant. Yeah. (laughs) So after graduating from high school, Grace moved to New York. She was a wannabe actor. And it's a tale as old as time and all that. Her parents were not okay with that. <laughs> but I don't know that anybody, any 18-year-old's parents are, are okay with are okay with them going to New York and, like, trying to make it big. It's a rough go, right? And she did the usual actor hustle. She enrolled in, um, in acting classes at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. She modeled part-time. Uh, apparently her uncle George kind of pulled some strings to get her into the school. So she had some clout. She wasn't like scrounging. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, very stereotypically, she lived at the Barbizon Hotel for Women. Have you ever heard of that? Uh-uh. So it's a really famous... Was it like a boarding famous, house or It was a women's boarding house, mostly for wannabe actors. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure there is an old Catherine Hepburn, Ginger Rogers movie called Stage Door... I know it mostly, I saw it as a kid because Lucille Ball was in it, and I've always been obsessed with Lucille Ball. Um, and uh, it was, it seems like that movie was kind of like a take on the Barbizon. It was like, it was called the Footlights House. But the same idea that it was a boarding house for women who were trying to break into theater, basically. Because really, movies, movies were, for her, in Grace's time, movies were getting to be more of Oh, a more thing. sophisticated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was apparently, so this is hilarious. So imagine this beautiful woman, right? This gorgeous Grace Kelly. She's apparently a bit of a rake. Uh, she, she would scandalize the other women in the hotel by, uh, running down the hallways, singing and dancing topless. Nice. (laughs) It was just so funny because nothing about her says that she would be like that. (laughs) And nothing about what we'll hear from now on would indicate she had ever done that. <laughs> so um, so she did some stage acting. She was featured in an industry magazine in 1950 as a promising up-and-comer. Um, her one sort of downside was that she wasn't much of a musical theater person. She didn't have a great voice. Sure. Um, it takes a lot. Musicals are still huge at this time. Yes. Well, they always have been. Mm-hmm. And again, it makes you more versatile if you can act and sing, especially during this time. And there are so many extremely talented Broadway singers. You have to be really good. So it's not like she had a bad voice necessarily. It's just she it didn't just have wasn't that really, voice. She didn't have a Broadway voice. Yeah, there's a big difference between being able to sing and being able to sing on Broadway, you know. In 1951, a film director named Henry Hathaway saw her in one of her plays and cast her in a small part in his film, 14 Hours. And she quickly gained a reputation as an actor who was easy to work with. Like that, I read again and again. People said across the board, like, she was so easy to work with. So she wasn't a diva. She wasn't difficult. Um, She was very easy to work with. Um, And her career really took off very quickly in film. And she also made many TV appearances during her career so Gary also also in TV as a new medium yes uh and really starting Mm -hmm. to get into the golden age of TV Mm -hmm. the first golden age of TV I should say uh Gary Cooper met her on the set of 14 hours and cast her in a, a very famous 1952 western High Noon oh yeah and this started of okay this is my side rant she got paired up time and time again on screen 
with men who looked like her dad. Like, I'm serious. Like, she was born in 1929. They were all born in, like, 1900. It was really gross. And it's it's like it's like today still trying to make Kevin Costner a sex symbol. Yes. It's like it's like, will you stop it, please? And putting like him, he's like sixty something years old. And putting casting him alongside like Jessica Biel or something. <laughs> yeah. It's just like no. Yeah, it's pretty it is pretty it's just like ugh. Especially what like I, I think that would be fine if that was a plot point maybe. Or if they just yeah. dealt with it a little more realistically. But no, they no. pretend the guy is like only twenty five when he's clearly like seventy seven. Seven and seven. I couldn't decide between six and seven, so it came out seven. Seven. Seventy-seven. So, uh, in High Noon, she played Gary Cooper's wife, and Gary Cooper was 28 years older than her. Then again, you know, back at this time, like... There were 30-year-olds marrying their 14-year-old fucking Does cousin and shit. Does he not look like her he dad? He looks, looks like her granddad. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Supposed to be his wife? Yes. Yeah, that's just wrong. That's, no, that's not good. So let's good. see, this is uh, 1952. Oh, she was 22. He was 50 or 51, depending on when they filmed, so... Oh, she and, and 50 or 51 in 1950 or 51 You're like about to die. old. You are. <laughs> you're Fred Mertz, yeah. you know? It's like you already know 10 people that have died by the time you're 51 in, right? in 1951. And they were all your neighbors. <laughs> she appeared in the movie Magambo in 1953 with Clark Gable, who's the same age as Cooper. Only this time, she apparently couldn't essentially had an affair with him. And she... So there were, I didn't get big into this. There were rumors that she got around in her day, but also who the fuck cares? Yeah, like not? that's up to her. I, I, I seriously doubt any uh, straight man was going to be like, no. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Apparently she said, quote, get away from me. What else is there to do if you're alone in a tent with Clark Cable? Apparently there was a lot of, uh, and the dollop hints at that too on the couple, like, that's uh, them and Magambo. Two dollop ep- episodes everybody needs to listen to is the one on Errol Flynn and the one oh, on God. Ronald and the one on Ronald Reagan. Oh, the Reagan one is fantastic. Reagan one is hilarious, but both episodes it's dealing with the same era of Hollywood. And apparently, there was a lot of oh yes, there was a lot of banging going on in yes. <laughs> in Hollywood. A lot of STDs getting <laughs> yes, passed there around. Were. There, everyone was just lucky that HIV wasn't around. That's true. Time. That's very and, true. And that penicillin had already been invented, it had been discovered, which is why there was so much banging. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just just go to the doctor. Uh, so she won a Golden Globe and was nominated for an Oscar for that role. So she's only like at this point, 23, 24, and already like award buzzes behind her. She starred in a series of hits in 1954 and 1955, including in that time, three Hitchcock films. Okay. So I mean, she she worked hard during her career, which was extremely short, as we're about to find out. Um, so she uh, she started in Rear Window with Jimmy Stewart, who was <laughs> slightly more age appropriate. He was only twenty one years old. Oh, that's than, better. You know, um, she started in Dial M for Murder with Ray Milland, who was only twenty two years older than her. And to catch I think a we've thief, we've watched that one too. I don't know if we've watched one. it together or not. That's a great movie. Okay. Uh, all of these are. Um, and To Catch a Thief with Cary Grant, who was 25 years older than her. She just couldn't... All, just all the lead actors stop. were old men. They were. There, there were they no, really were. James Dean hadn't come on the scene yet. <laughs> she was Hitchcock's first AC blonde that he oh, had okay. an unhealthy obsession with. Yeah. We'll get back to I've, that. I've heard bit. of that. Yeah. 
He was a weirdo. We're going to get into that a little bit later. But as far as I know, there's not really much information that indicates that Grace ever felt like, Hmm. like he was being inappropriate with her. Although if she was, quote, easy to work with, that may have just been because she kept her mouth shut. Who knows? You know, it may have been for survival True. back in the day. The studio system was so fucked up, especially for women back mm-hmm. then. So, so um, now, as a very interesting aside, and this is incredibly... Uh, is, these parallels are constantly drawn. Um, to Catch a Thief. The movie To Catch a Thief. It was filmed on location in the French Riviera, including Monaco. Nice. Um, and we'll talk about Monaco in a second. Interestingly, the movie includes a seminal scene where Grace Kelly's character, Frances Stevens, drives a British-made 1953 Sunbeam Alpine Mark I convertible along the coastal Alps of France and Monaco. Here's a picture of them parking. Very nice. And that's the convertible. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, interestingly... Dur- Go ahead. <laughs> During this uh, this scene, and I haven't seen To Catch a Thief in a bit. It's been a little while, but from what I understand, like uh, like from what I remember, I think so. Cary Grant played a a sort of a reformed thief. Okay. But a very like basically a copycat is on the loose in the, on the French Riviera, and everyone thinks it's him. Okay. But he's like, no, I'm reformed. It's not me. It's somebody else. So he has to, like, prove his innocence. Hitchcock was really obsessed with, like, the innocent man trying to prove his innocence um, narrative. And so he ends up meeting her. I forget what the circumstances were. Like, she's a socialite. And they're getting ch- actually chased in this car. But she doesn't seem to know it. But she also might know it. So it actually shows her driving very treacherously okay. along these like mountainous roads, which will become very pertinent as we get into her death, okay. let's say. Okay. So anyway. I thought you were about to tell me, I was like, but it's too early in the story for her, for her to die <laughs> oh, right no, no, here. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. No, it's not 1982 <clears> yet, <throat> right? Mm-hmm. Um, so of course the driving, the at this point in Hollywood special effects the driving scene was rear projection sure they didn't have green screens so it was being projected behind them but the filming of the roads were in and around monaco and the nearby areas which is also where her accident took place so they probably weren't the exact same roads but they were really close to where she died so also where the monaco grand prix happens like the biggest uh (laughs) we'll talk about that in one race in the world we'll talk about that in a second um, so this, oh, this, uh, where's the picture? This seems to have been taken. People have kind of narrowed it down that it's between Cap Martin and Monaco. Okay. Like you can see both, because Monaco's tiny. We're going to talk about that in just a hot sec. Um, so in, it was this film's location shoot that was Grace's first trip to Monaco. She had some sightseeing, including the Palace of Monaco, which at the time she didn't realize was going to get become her home. <laughs> So, uh, Grace Kelly eventually landed her Best Actress Academy Award in early 1955 at age 25 Hmm. for starring opposite Bing Crosby, who was twice her age, (laughs) in The Country Girl. She very famously beat out Judy Garland for A Star Ah, is Born. Okay. 
Which is a big Oscar. The original A Star is Born. Yes, not the Not the recent one. Remember that? The song that Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga sing together at the. For, from a star is born. Oh my God! I you remember know. this? Yes, you do. We mm-hmm. m- have mocked it consistently. I, I guess remember we they were sing- I guess we singing. I remember that. I just don't remember. Yeah, I just don't remember how the song goes. We mocked it incessantly. Oh my God! I guess we just haven't in a while, and I forgot. Ah, oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> So, in 1955, just a few months after the release of To Catch a Thief, Grace Kelly traveled back to the French Riviera, which is south of uh, Monaco, to attend the Cannes Film Festival. While riding on a train in France, Grace met fellow star Olivia de Havilland and her brand new, like literally they had gotten married like a week prior, her her brand new husband Pierre Galante. So this is Olivia de Havilland. Oh, 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 I totally skipped this. Hold on. Rewind. Uh, here's another famous shot or famous uh feature that they showed in To Catch a Thief, which is the Via de Zé, or Le Pont du Diable, the Bridge of the Devil. It's an aqueduct in in France. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, here is Olivia de Havilland and Pierre Galante. So Olivia de Havilland is a pretty famous old-timey actress. I think she was in, I think she played Melanie in um, Gone with the Wind. Okay. Which obviously was a huge blockbuster at the time when it came out. Um, and total side note, but like six degrees of separation. Olivia de Havilland. So first of all, she died early last year at age 104. Really? Yes. This wow. lady lived was, until January of last year. I was just going to say. <clears throat> yeah. Um, also, her younger and very famously estranged sister was Joan Fontaine. She only lived to be 96, don't oh. worry. Um, she had starred, so Joan Fontaine had starred in the movie Suspicion, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, co-starring Cary Grant. Okay. So her sister had been a previous Hitchcock lady, so. And actually, Joan Fontaine was also in Rebecca, so she starred in a couple of um, Hitchcock's movies. Hmm. And Olivia de Havilland and Joan Fontaine are still the only sisters to have each won an Oscar. Oh, okay. Which one for Best Actress in various films, yep. So apparently Pierre Galante was a childhood friend of Prince Rainier III of Monaco. Third. Prince Rainier III. So now we're going to talk about Monaco and Moroccan royalty. So let's start with Monaco. The Principality of Monaco is a very tiny sovereign city-state basically inside France along the French Riviera, the Mediterranean, but technically along the Ligurian, Ligurian Sea. It's not far from the border of France and Italy. But it's really weird to look at on a map because here's France and then like this little tiny cutout. It's like, oh, here's Monaco. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really small. Only the Vatican is smaller when okay. it comes to, quote, countries Country or size. other yeah. yes, sovereign states, whatever. Um, in fact, Monaco is right around... Two square kilometers, or 1.25 square miles large. It's like the size of our neighborhood. Yes, basically, (laughs) right? Yeah. But its population, this is, it's just regular live-in population, not even its tourism population, is 40,000 people. Okay, that's a lot. Living within like one and a quarter square miles. It is the world's most densely populated country. Sure. 
Now, technically, Macau is more densely populated, but it's also technically a, a like an administrative region of China. So it's like um, splitting hairs over technicalities of what sure. type of if quote, it's sovereign nation or it, not. Yeah, what nation it is. So uh, Monaco is a very well-known tax haven. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Monaco does not have an income tax on its citizens. Uh, has no capital gains tax, no wealth tax, and an extremely low property tax, like one percent. So, uh, so it it draws a lot of rich people to it. In fact, uh, they estimate around a third of Monaco's citizens are millionaires. Sure, which is seems actually a little um, lower. Seems than low. Yeah, yeah, I would have, I would have said mm-hmm. half. Remember when we kind of looked into going to Monaco for our... We did. <laughs> yes, we did. And we were like, nope, nope, we're not rich enough for that. Mm-mm. Not by a long shot. I was, I was like, I was like, I might as well just look it up just to see what mm-hmm. it costs. And like, oh yeah, it costs too much. Yes, that is the answer. <laughs> it costs too much. Of course, you can see why people like going yeah. there. It is it's picture. Gorgeous. I mean, it's a, it's a living postcard. It is. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. It's a, famous as a playground of the rich and famous because of its casinos mm-hmm. and its beautiful views. And yes, the the um, Grand Prix is there as mm-hmm. well. The yeah, that's, Grand Prix. that's like the biggest F1 race in the world. And in it's terms all of, in that little yeah. tiny area. Yeah. It's like the racetrack is built into the area because otherwise, where are you going? They are for it? most uh, F1 races. Yeah, like the, sit, the regular streets are part of the track, which is really weird. The casinos go back a very long way to 18, or yeah, a very long time to 1856, when then Princess Caroline of Monaco established them to bring the royal family out of bankruptcy. There you go. It worked. Sure. <laughs> so very, and now here's another thing I found really fascinating. So casinos are like the lifeblood of Monaco, right? They don't tax their citizens they raise the money from tourism, basically, sure. and taxing tourists. Tax the fuck out of tourists. Yeah, which, exactly. I mean, really, that's how you're supposed to do it. That's, that's if a, you're, that's if you're a, a tourist thought. destination. Yep. Um, but guess what? Uh, citizens of Monaco are not allowed inside any of the casinos unless they work there. Hmm. You're not allowed to, you can't gamble in the Monacan casinos if you are a citizen of Monaco. You know why? Because they don't income tax you. So if you win, they get nothing. <laughs> right. That's that's literally, yeah, that's the whole that's the whole theory. <laughs> you could literally so shut down a casino in an afternoon. And it wouldn't raise any revenue. So now, Prince Rainier. This is Prince Rainier. Do you think you can tell he is some sort of royalty? Not at all. <laughs> he has like a thousand medals. Yeah. Jacket I, must weigh. I doubt he earned any of them. I I, I don't remember any um, uh, grand victories led by the uh, the people of Monaco. <laughs> like military victories. Yeah, I, do, I don't remember a single one. Maybe there is one. I, <laughs> the Battle I, of Monaco. The Battle of the Monaco Casino. Like we held off the. Well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't even get into the the major history of Monaco because, like, the. Palace of Monaco, I'm pretty sure it dated back to like 1158 or something. Like it's long. I mean, the guy's like essentially mayor. Like there's only <laughs> there's only forty Fair there's enough. only forty thousand people. But they're like mayor. That's just not fun but enough. But he's a mayor who lives in a palace. Yeah, they're like that's more fun. They're yeah. like they're like we'll just do that instead. Do you love his little tiny mustache? I do. So forties, fifties, yeah. Like the penciled in. The penciled in David Niven mustache. Yes. So, in relation to Grace, the prince, 
whose official title was Rainier III, Prince of Monaco. He was so much more age-appropriate for her. He was born He was in, only 16 years old. No, he was born in 1923. She was oh, born nice. in 29. Six so years older. Only, like yeah. five and a half, six years older. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. Uh, he became the Prince of Monaco in 1949, just shy of his 26th birthday, when his father, Prince Louis II, died. This, this I found really interesting and wanted to keep in here. So, he was in a long-term relationship when he was younger with another actress, a French actress named Giselle Pascal. And she was a couple years older than him. They had met when Rainier was a college student and Giselle was a working actress. They were together for like a decade. They openly lived together, which seems pretty bold for the time, but it's also Europe. Sure. I feel like it's a little more customs are different. Yeah. Um, even back then. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, the, there's the saying, when in Rome for a reason. Yeah. Um, but when Rainier became prince, their relationship started to get a little bit strained. And one of the major drivers of that was Rainier's older sister, Princess Antoinette, Baroness of Massey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I which, love royal which titles. Is, which is a block. That's a neighborhood block. Yes, like right? The... It's like this. <laughs> it's, that, it's that little patch. It's of... those three houses over yes. there. You are the princess of all of these three houses. <laughs> In all fairness, there was, half fairness an, there, there was half an acre between all three of them. <laughs> the battle, where the, where the battle of the, battle the of battle of the Massey. overtaking of the casino of Massey took place. So apparently... Antoinette was not about her brother's happiness because she wanted her heirs to be the ones who inherited the throne. It's so much more fun that they have these grand titles and you know that they live only amongst 40,000 people. <laughs> the <laughs> like, treachery is so much more treacherous. <laughs> but to be fair, like, they're a, massively rich. Oh, I'm sure, but that's a great title. That makes the, Her title makes it sound like she's like a queen of a region of Earth. But she's literally like... A baroness of a neighborhood. Spoiler alert, the current Prince of Monaco is the 11th richest royal in the world with a net worth of over a billion dollars. So, it's money, too. Pay, pays, <laughs> pay, pays to be Monacan? Monaco? So, that's what I was... There's, there was another word that was much more complicated, so I just went with Monacan. Sure. It sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> Could be I'm, I'm sure they won't get offended. They're too busy. <clears throat> yeah, they're too busy counting their money. They're too nobody's busy buying listening. yachts. <laughs> nobody's listening to this. <laughs> yeah. From Monaco. Nobody in Monaco. Oh, can I tell you really quick? Um... One of the funniest things I've ever heard is that I heard about people through, I'm not going to say exactly what, but through cultural connections of having been involved in the church, people who were missionaries in Monaco. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how the fuck do they get that gig? Yeah, right? (laughs) Oh, we must preach to the poor masses Uh, of Monaco. uh, uh, Jesus wants to meet up at the casino tonight. Again. Rich people need Jesus, too. Yeah, so do those dealers. <laughs> and so does my dice hand. Come on, Jesus. His name is stated multiple times over in casinos all over the world. So, Antoinette, or should I say Princess Antoinette, Baroness of Massey, uh, didn't, yes, didn't want her brother's heirs to ascend to the throne. She was actually the oldest, and you can't begrudge her the fact that they passed over women if there was a son 
And that's exactly what happened. So she was not happy about that. So she started spreading rumors that Giselle, so this is um, Rainier's girlfriend at the time, or uh, partner at the time, couldn't have children. Mm. Like, she can't provide an heir. And uh, eventually, Giselle actually had a medical exam to see if she could have kids and was told she could not. Whoa, the the Baroness. But here's the thing. (laughs) Interestingly, Baroness, you (laughs) know. Anyway, this would eventually turn out to be completely inaccurate. This lady went on to have a baby. Oh, okay. It was wrong. It was inaccurate. But she, at the time, was diagnosed. I mean, this is like 1940s medicine, so... Uh, she, so Giselle was also kind of like a commoner. She wasn't an aristocrat or of royal lineage or anything like that, or even upper crust. Uh, so that made things harder for her to survive the scrutiny of the expectations of being in this royal relationship. Mm -hmm. So the pressure eventually got to the relationship and they broke up. Jesse's very displeased about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and another six degrees of separation thing, Giselle was later romantically linked to Gary Cooper. Very nice. <laughs> of High Noon. <laughs> and yes, one of Grace Kelly's first high profile co-stars. They were allegedly together just a y- one year after High Noon came out. Oh. So uh, almost like uh, people who knew people who would eventually mm-hmm. know people sort of thing. So Princess Antoinette wasn't quite done. She and her partner, Alexander, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Athenes Nokes. Hey, what are you eating? He's eating my shoe. <laughs> that cat is eating my shoe. Jesse yeah. Pinkman. I think it's just the Velcro. Why does this cat just want to chew things? Is he know. a dog? He might be. He does act like a dog sometimes. Jesse, come here. Come here. Yeah. He not. doesn't have the records to scratch anymore. He has to eat my shoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Okay, anyway. Um, her partner, Alexander, I'm taking my best shot, Athenes Nokes, had three children. So they had three kids together, but they had them all without being married. So they were actually not in line for the throne because they were, quote, illegitimate. Um, but then they got married, and that, quote, legitimized them. And so then they could be in line for the throne, potentially. Um, but the marriage only lasted a few years, and then she was in a relationship with another man named Jean-Charles Ray. Then the two of them actively plotted together to depose Rainier, like basically stage a coup. Nice. And have her ascend to the throne. It was all very treacherous, this Antoinette lady. Um, but apparently this plan was very stressful. It drove a red wedge between them, and Jean-Charles and Antoinette broke up. <laughs> Uh, then Grace came along and Antoinette was shit out of luck. So kind of ironically, uh, Antoinette would go on to die at the age of 90 at the Princess Grace Hospital Center. So, so now, oh, by the way, (laughs) Grace Kelly and Olivia de Havilland on a train in France, right? So Olivia and her husband, Pierre, were very impressed with Grace. That was the first time they had met her, but they liked her. They, they, she gave a good impression And accounts kind of differ for their motives for having Grace and Rainier meet. They wanted, basically they were like, hey, you should meet Prince Rainier. And Olivia de Havilland made it sound like it was more of a setup. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, you should meet this 
hot prince or whatever. But there are also accounts that it was more like a publicity stunt because Pierre worked for a magazine called Paris Match. And he pitched the idea, hey, what if like uh, American quote royalty, because Hollywood's kind of like our royalty, so to speak, right? Yeah. There are there yeah. are like echelon. Sure. Um, aside from the rich people that we really hate, like Bezos or whatever and Musk. Is he even American? Elon Musk isn't. I don't think so. No, no. I don't think so. Yeah, anyway, he's yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, our, so he, our royals are movie stars. Celebrities, right? Yeah. Especially in entertainment. In this time, yeah. especially mm-hmm. as well. Yes, the, the golden age mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. So uh, he pitched the idea, okay, what if we have Prince, uh, Prince Rainier and Grace Kelly meet and do like a photo spread? His editor-in-chief loved the idea. So anyway... How for whatever motivations, Grace and Rainier both agreed to meet, and they did meet on May sixth, nineteen fifty-five. And these are this is the, one of the actual photos of their meeting because it was photographed for the magazine, and I believe okay. that's at the actual palace, the prince's palace. So, hmm. mm-hmm. uh, apparently, Grace fit into the royal setting really well almost instantly she seemed to intuitively understand how to carry and present herself but given that she was raised like upper crust crust philadelphia not too much of a finishing stretch. school yeah, yeah she kind of, it kind of probably helped her out there both she and rainier were mutually impressed with each other but allegedly grace had links to a couple different romantic interests at the time including oleg cassini do you know who that is Mm-mm. like a designer of the time, oh okay. fashion designer of the time and apparently rainier was closer to the marriage fast track he kind of was highly motivated to produce an heir which would mean being married for it to be a a, quote legitimate child um so he was (laughs) i i wrote he wanted to produce an heir to the sweet (laughs) (laughs) uh not many details are known about their courtship but by christmas that year so within like six seven months rainier traveled to philly to spend the holidays with her family she traveled to monaco so they were kind of in it. They were engaged very soon thereafter. Um, in the first few months of 1956, Grace was in Rhode Island filming her last movie, High Society, with Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby, still very old people <laughs> compared to her. Uh, and that was released that summer. And in interviews around that time, Grace said that, okay, yes, I'm marrying this prince, but I'm still intending to act. I want to carry on my career. Um, but that didn't end up happening hmm. because just a few days later, after she had set, told a reporter that she wanted to keep acting, he told the LA Times, Rainier told the LA Times that Grace was retiring from acting, saying, quote, I don't want my wife to work. Oh. It's a very 1955, mm-hmm. 1956 move, right? It's like the Ricky Ricardo, uh, no life of mine is going to be an actor. Like he was, did you know that that was the main plot of I Love Lucy? I didn't. No. Is that Lucy had wanted to be an entertainer. Lucy Ricardo wanted to be an entertainer. She wanted to sing, she wanted to dance, she wanted to act. Ricky Ricardo was an actual entertainer. He was a nightclub guy. Well, you know, back when nightclubs were all like mm-hmm. super classy, dinner, yeah. supper club sort of things. And he didn't want his wife to be an entertainer. He wanted her to cook and clean and stay home with the baby. It was really fucked okay. up. I love that she bucked against every possibility she got. But um, anyway, at our current point in history now, we're really used to royal weddings, right? Sure. There's princess, uh, 
Diana and Charles. There was uh, Kate and William. There was Meghan and Harry. There's all these royal... It feels like they're com- they <laughs> pop up frequently. They just keep getting married, these people. <laughs> right. But at this time, <clears throat> Grace Kelly was pretty much... Like, she was at the top of her game. She was an Academy Award winner. She was one of the highest earning actors in Hollywood, or at least female actors in Hollywood. Um, She was beloved, kind of. She was American royalty. And she was marrying an actual royal, a European prince of a long lineage. And at the time, that was the wedding of the century. Sure. so they had uh, they had two ceremonies. They had a civil ceremony, and then the next day they had their religious ceremony, which was the one that was broadcast, the one that got all the attention. And that was on April 19th, 1956, at St. Nicholas Cathedral in Monaco. And this was the, the start of, like, what's her dress going to look like and sure. all that. So her dress was actually designed by a Hollywood costume designer, uh, a woman named, I have it here, Helen Rose. From MGM. It took 30 people six weeks to make wow. this dress. So here's her in her dress and then one of their wedding photos. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Apparently Kate Middleton kind of modeled part of her dress kind of after Grace Kelly. Because it was also, it had a little bit more of a v-neck. But mm-hmm. it had like a lace top with long sleeves. Hmm. Also her train, her uh, mm-hmm. veil train. 90 feet long. Very nice. It's <laughs> just like uh, 27 meters. Which, which also took 30 people. <laughs> right. Like, you can just put that off the side. Um, so they had about 600 guests, including a bunch of actual royalty and aristocracy and a bunch of Hollywood people, uh, including Aristotle Onassis. Uh, whose yacht they used on their seven-week honeymoon. Oh, okay. Just Let's just borrow Aristotle's. Ari's yeah. yacht, you know. Uh, their son, Albert, later said that both of them, Grace and Rainier, would describe the wedding as, quote, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. <clears throat> Maybe just a little bit. So once she was married, Grace basically retired from acting. Uh, kind of disturbingly... Rainier banned her movies from Monaco. They couldn't be fil- be shown in Monaco. Okay. So. So they just drove down the road. Yeah, like, right to France. Like, and, yeah, like, like, we'll just go to France and watch <laughs> we'll it. We'll just walk a mile, get <laughs> yeah. to France, and <laughs> actually, it's a square mile, so I yeah. probably walked a few blocks. It's to actually get to France. like right in my backyard. It's right there. That's outside of <laughs> yeah. the border of Monaco, right? Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of creepy and mean that he did that. But, I mean, it's also the time, whatever. Uh, they also got, very quickly got to the business of producing an heir. They were married in April of 1956. Their first child was born January 23rd, yeah, 1957. right away. Bam. Uh, so their first child was Caroline, Princess of Hanover. Oh, uh, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's too blah, right? Yeah. There's no baroness. There's no. It's, it's, very blah. Uh, so very, very briefly, for like a year, Caroline was the heir to the throne of Monaco. She was the only child of the current prince, but Grace gave birth to their second child, Albert II, ah. Prince of Monaco. Um, I also said insert pr- Prince Albert in a can joke here. <laughs> <laughs> Better love him out before he suffocates. Um, had him just over a year later, March 14th, 1958. So within 14 months. Um, so she was a, prin- a princess, a mother of two young kids. 
so she basically Hollywood just, icon. Hollywood icon. But she basically just did the usual social philanthropic stuff that royals do. Uh, but acting remained on her radar. By all accounts, she wanted to keep acting. She said she was going to, and then Rainier kind of like undercut her, so she didn't. She didn't then undercut him. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was still interested in it. And in 1962, Alfred Hitchcock invited her to star in another film directed by him, the 1964 movie Marnie. Have you ever seen Marnie? Mm-mm. So Marnie's an odd one. Once Hitchcock reached like his, you could see a little bit in the 50s, but once he hit the 60s into like his psycho days. It starts to get a little and weird. And the birds. He started getting... A, Interesting, um, in a, in an odd way. So, and in his later years, Hitchcock was a little more hit or miss. But uh, so the title character Marnie uh, is a compulsive thief, and apparently, uh, the idea of Grace playing the role was not a hit in Monaco. Like they were like, we like don't they, want our princess like playing they can't, a they thief. Can't, they can't separate. Right, like this, I mean, this, she's acting. That's yeah, literally the whole it's point. Not, she's not an actual thief. I think that it was like it was undignified. Sure, it was whatever. Yeah. Um, and she's just looking at it as like it's an acting gig. It's something. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a jo- it's an it's a interesting job. role. Yeah, it's an interesting role, right? Um, so she decided not to go through with it. Mm. She got discouraged by it because of the public reaction. She decided not to go through with it. So Tippy Hedren starred instead. So that's Melanie Griffith's mom. Oh, okay. She was also in The Birds in 1963. Uh, and do you know who co-starred with her in uh, Marnie? No. Sean Connery. Oh, really? Very young Sean Connery, like Bond-era Sean Connery. Mm. Yep. Uh, so she was kind of like the next Hitchcock icy blonde. Uh, but that title would be short-lived. She didn't star in anything after Marnie because pretty infamously now... By, by now, since it's come out and become widely known, uh, Hitchcock was apparently extremely controlling of Tippi Hedren mm-hmm. on, and um, obsessed with her. And... <laughs> and... Uh, now you're distracting me. And um, he, like, eventually started sexually harassing her. Mm. So he was an asshole. He was a very good filmmaker, but that doesn't preclude him from being an asshole, obviously. So, um, so it's probably for Grace's own good that she never works. Jesse Pinkman never <laughs> oh, worked for him again. Okay, <laughs> Jesse. We already put he's you like, on TikTok. He's like, I need something to scratch. I need and something bite. to chew and eat and tear apart. Go, go eat the Velcro on my shoes. Maybe we need to get him a chew toy. Like yeah, a right? Dog like, chew toy. Yeah. What an odd one you are, little Jesse Pinkman. Uh, so anyway, so it's really kind of sad. She had acting ambitions. She she retired at 26. Oh, I know. That, you and, know? And, she, and was... she was prolific in an Academy mm-hmm. Award winner. High, Highly paid, highly regarded. And then it just all got cut off to basically be a figurehead. A rich figurehead. I was going to say, well, I mean, at least she got, you know, to be a princess out of it. I mean, I so, guess. but she probably. Oh, she, these are the rest of my pictures. Jesse. She probably just wanted to work at the same time. Be both. Yeah. Yeah. Be a working mom, mm-hmm. which wasn't a big thing back in the 50s. No. So, so, um, 
Grace gave birth to her and Rainier's last child, Princess Stephanie of Monaco, on February 1st, 1965. So here's the whole family. This is, uh, I think Stephanie's like a year old there. So that's the whole family. Okay. Well, with uh, Prince Rainier is actually uh, channeling Sean Connery. He's, he he's, is. Like, he he's, looks he's, so he's much looking... better once you kind of embrace the, <laughs> he's looking the like dad Sean. look, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the kids apparently have kind of mixed recollections on how involved as a parent Grace was in their upbringing. And it's interesting that like you can find lots of information over what they thought of her mothering, but not her, their dad's fathering. Because mm. yeah, usually mm. people aren't super concerned about the dads. So. Uh, Caroline recalls that their nanny played a huge role in their upbringing. But Albert called Grace, quote, a loving and caring hands-on mom. Okay. Unquote. So she continued to support the arts throughout her royal life. She served on the board of 20th Century Fox, which was pretty big. And she apparently, she was a big flower enthusiast. Okay. In 1980, she co-wrote a book called My Book of Flowers. Okay. Published in 1980. So um, here is My Book of Flowers cover and also the family with the kids grown up. Not okay. Grown up. All right. Nice looking family. Mm-hmm. So now that we're all chummy with Grace. And Monaco. And Monaco. Here's where they collide in not a good way. So, by September 1982, Grace was 52 years old. Sure. Two grown children and one who was still a teenager. Stephanie was 17 and she was still in school. Now, from what I... It was a little confusing. It kind of sounded like maybe she was going into her first year of college. But she was either still in high school, finishing up high school, or like going into college. Anyway, she was still in school. Um... So Grace was going through a tough summer that year. Um, Apparently she was going through menopause. So she had symptoms, especially like irritability, fatigue. That's that's what happens um, during to a lot of people during menopause. So Stephanie attended school in Paris and her classes were starting up on Wednesday, September 15th of that year. So this is 1982. She was set to take a train to Paris that Monday, September 13th. Now, the primary source of what I'm using for what happened that morning comes from accounts given by Stephanie herself, because she was the only survivor of this crash. Okay. So this was a two-person crash in a single vehicle. Okay. And it was Grace and Stephanie in the vehicle. So the family was residing at Roque Agel, the family farm, which from what I can tell is actually located not in Monaco, but rather nearby in France. It's hard to fit everything into <laughs> yes, Monaco. especially a and, mountain. And, it, and, it's, yeah, and it's two square yeah. kilometers. Yeah. So that morning, Grace woke up Stephanie around nine to get her up and around so they could drive to the train station so that Stephanie could catch her train to Paris. Now, obviously, they were royalty. So there was a whole staff assisting them, including a chauffeur. So the chauffeur, and I tried to find this person's name, but I couldn't. So I'm sorry. I just keep calling him the chauffeur, the chauffeur. But uh, pulled up one of the family's vehicles, an 11-year-old Rover 3500. So this is the, this is like a slightly newer model, like a couple years newer. Okay. Roughly the same type of car. It's like a little sports car. Sure. Um, apparently it was like one of Grace's favorites. She did not drive often. She was usually chauffeured. Sure. Um, but it was well maintained. 
um, she liked the car, so they kept it around sort of a thing. Low mileage because she didn't do much running around in it. She drove it to France and back. <laughs> right, because it's all <laughs> within like 20 miles, right? Yeah. So because Stephanie was staying in Paris, like either like college or like some version of a boarding school, there was a lot of luggage to take, right? And like basically her clothing, especially given her her station. So Grace and a maid filled up the back seat of the car with dresses, hat boxes, all of uh, Stephanie's luggage. And then Grace called out for Stephanie and like, okay, come on, time to leave. So the chauffeur was at the ready. That's his job, right? Okay, I drive you. <laughs> um, and especially since Grace didn't really drive much, she had a chauffeur. But Grace told the chauffeur, oh, never mind. I'm just going to go ahead and drive us in the car because the back seat is filled with all this clothing, all this luggage. And so three people can't fit in it. Just two people. So let me just drive myself and Stephanie. And apparently the chauffeur actually fought back on that and was like, no, no, no. Let, let me go ahead and drive you. We'll, we'll empty the car. I'll drive you guys to the station. I'll come back. I'll get the clothes and I'll drive back. Um, but Grace was insistent. She's like, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Please just let me. I'm just going to, in fact, she probably didn't say please. She's the royal here, right? So she probably said no. I'm just going to do it. This is a 35-minute drive, roughly. So, like, the chauffeur would have had to drive all the way there, drive all the way back, drive all the way back, which he obviously was willing to do, but it would also take a while. So so she may have also been trying to think of him. Like, no, 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 don't inconvenience yourself. Let me just drive. So anyway, she won the argument. Uh, so Grace, uh, drove off in the Rover 3500 with Stephanie in the passenger seat. So Rocagel is located up on Mont Angel, a mountain. Okay. <laughs> so there's a whole lot of extremely winding, very treacherous sure. looking hairpin turn roads for one to navigate to get down towards Monaco. So here are some, oh shit, this did not print well at all. Oh, that's okay. Damn it. You can't, I, I don't know that it'll matter because you kind of can't see it. Do you see those lines going back and forth there? Not really, but okay. I, I've seen mountain roads. Basically, can, like yeah. it's up here, right? And the roads go like this. Yeah, it's just a jag. It's an absolute jag. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to get to this okay. shortly. So um, it doesn't get a whole lot better after that. Like it, once they're on this, uh, oh, what was this called? Avenue La Tourie or something. Turby, that's right. So they are heading south through the town of La Turby, France, towards the coast. And at that point, as you can see here, there's one, two, three, and then later on, like four and five. Really like sharp hairpin turns. Hairpin turns. Like literally, <clears throat> they're near 180 degrees, closer to 150 degrees technically. Um, but they're basically almost exact like turnarounds, right? Very, very strong cuts. So as they were driving, and again, this is Stephanie's account, right? Grace began to complain to Stephanie that she had a headache. Mm. At one point, the headache like became extremely severe, mm. like suddenly, like a stabbing pain. And according to Stephanie, Grace's eyes closed and it looked like she actually blacked out for a moment, mm. like went unconscious for a second. But then she opened her eyes again really quickly. So it was, it was very quick. But she seemed disoriented. 
And she tried to jam on the brake of the car because they were approaching one of these hairpin turns. Okay. Uh, according to Stephanie, Grace, like, panicked. Remember, she said she was also disoriented. And she said, I can't stop. The brakes won't work. I can't stop. Mm. Stephanie grabbed for the emergency brake, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't stop the car. I mean, I don't think it's meant to literally stop a car. In... If it's going a certain speed, it will eventually, but it's not going to do it right away. Right. Behind Grace's vehicle, behind the Rover, was another driver. Mm-hmm. And he saw the, whole the thing. Rover. He said he saw the Rover weaving in and out of traffic, like both lanes, mm-hmm. for a little bit, then straighten out. And then accelerate hard. She was hitting the wrong pedal. Well, we'll get into that. It's estimated that they were going about 50 miles per hour. Mm, That's not good on a hairpin turn. No. So the rover crashed through a low retaining wall at the pin hairpin part of the curve. So you don't go off the damn mountain. But they did. They drove through the wall. It was a low retaining wall. We'll, We'll... We'll see it in a second. She's going 50 miles an hour. Yes. Blew through it. Um, The car went end over end, somersaulted, 120 feet down. Damn. About 36 meters. Um, Neither Grace nor Stephanie were wearing a Mm seatbelt, so they got tossed all around the car. Stephanie blacked out at some point uh, during the fall. From what I can tell, based on the pictures of the accident scene, it looks like the car eventually landed upside down. So here's mm, the car. Which makes it even worse. Yeah. It's badly mangled. And then here you can see the turn and where they went off. Because this is like the accident scene from where they... Mm-hmm. And you can see how small that retaining oh, yeah. wall is. It's yeah, not like it's, it's a big wall. No. It's, it's not there. Small. It's not there to stop a 50 mile an hour car. It's there no. to stop like a 10 or 15 Going mile. a yeah. little too fast around the curve, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it was bad. It was very bad. You don't, you don't fall going fifty miles an hour. It was. It's like a Thelma and Louise, right? Mm -hmm. Off a hundred twenty feet. That's horrible. Um. So once the car had landed, Stephanie regained consciousness. She found herself wedged under the glove box. Sure. Oh God. In the passenger seat, and she saw smoke billowing from the car and she panicked she thought like this car is going to i mean kudos to her for having the wherewithal to think Mm -hmm. this car could explode um she tried to get out the passenger side the door wouldn't open she was able to make her way over to the driver's side and kick the door out it was already kind of busted so she could kick it out now there's also a conflicting account of this there was a gardener apparently working on that property they okay. they fell into like a residential property sure. it, it, this is a densely populated area it's not like it was a barren field or something like that this gardener said that he pulled her out of the driver's side window mm. stephanie says she got out of there of her own accord so there are conflicting reports this is only my own feeling and going off of nothing evidence-based but it kind of seems like if you were a humble gardener who witnessed, like, a princess in this, like, you'd kind of want to be the hero, maybe, and claim that you pulled her to safety. Sure. Like, it's a good story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
But what that did lead to is years of speculation because both in both cases, she would have come out of the driver's side. Years of speculation that Grace wasn't driving, that it was Stephanie and Stephanie caused the accident. Mm. Um, which we'll, we'll get into that. And Stephanie was just learning to drive at the time. So what was not contested was that Grace had wound up being pinned in the back seat mm. with a very with a bad head injury. Uh, she initially appeared conscious, but was bloody all sure. over. Because there were witnesses they could call for help. Firefighters were able to pull Grace from the rover. They sent her in an ambulance to the hospital. In fact, um, Stephanie said that she's like she kicked her way out of the car, saw a woman there, a witness, right, and was like call for help, I'm Princess Stephanie of mm-hmm. Monaco, sort of a thing, you know. Do, like, kind of a do you know who I am, but it's a good time to pull it out. So, f- fair enough, Yeah, that'd right? be the proper time to yes, pull that Yes, exactly. So, Grace arrived to the hospital alive, but unconscious, and they ran tests on her, including a CAT scan, and the scan showed that Grace had had a small cerebral hemorrhage. She mm, had a small stroke. Yeah. Uh... And that that led to her losing control of the vehicle and was obviously very yeah. consistent with Stephanie's account. Yep. So she felt like Which she had a headache. probably why she blacked out and yep. was disoriented. Yes. That she was having a mini stroke, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. An inspection of the rover by mechanical engineers found that there were no mechanical failures or defects. So the brakes were working. They were functioning. Her disorientation was she thought she was hitting the brake. And yes. Her mind's literally not right. So what was so interesting is that in every account I read, they said either she mistook the brake for the, the, or the accelerator for the brake, or the gas for the brake, or her legs weren't functioning because of her stroke. But here's my contention. The person behind them saw them speed up. Mm Mm-hmm. That yeah. only happens when you hit the accelerator. Yep. So I think the la- the, the idea of her getting confused is more plausible. Yeah. Based on what that account, that witness saw. So, um, so Grace remained in intensive care through the next day. And the next day she suffered a second stroke, likely mm, brought on by the accident. Sure. So chances are the first one was some health issue. Yeah. And the second, the second one, one was brought on by trauma. Yes. Um, so she ended up on life support mm. with severe physical and, uh, brain trauma, physical trauma and brain injury. And Prince Rainier made the decision to withdraw her from life support mm. at 10 55 PM on Tuesday, September 14th, when Grace Kelly died at age 52. Wow. Yeah. Doctors speculated that had she been home and this is just speculation, but it, had she been at home she may have only had the first stroke. Sure. It was relatively minor. She could have gotten medical attention and maybe would have been okay. Yeah. But the fact that it happened during drive while she was driving. While she was driving. And while she was driving under such treacherous conditions, mm-hmm. that's what led to the accident and uh, and her death. Now, the general population was kind of caught off guard by her death because they knew... Ev- like she was in an accident one morning and died the next night. So it was known and it was witnessed sure. that she had been in a car crash. Right. So that was known. But the palace line was that, oh, yeah, she was in an accident, but she's recovering. Mm. That was not what was going on. They no. were essentially feeding false information to the general population, the media, whatever. So they 
everyone was expecting her to recover. And then the next thing you know, they're hearing that she's dead. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, those caught off guard included Grace's brother, Jack Jr. Oh. He said, quote, I was led to believe she was out of danger, mm. end quote. So the lack of transparency would also result in years of speculation and conspiracy theories about the teenager sure. of the accident. Of course. It seems like cagey behavior, right? Not KGB behavior, but KG behavior. <laughs> so Grace's funeral was an understandably huge event. Uh, she was a princess. She was a major Hollywood star. And she was laid in state, right? Put on viewing as a lot of um, had people. Royalty, especially. Royalty uh, leaders sort of thing are. In the chapel of the Royal Monaco Palace. Her televised funeral was seen by an estimated 100 million people. And this is in 1982. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nancy Reagan, who was a personal friend of Grace's, which kind of makes sense given their time coming up in Hollywood. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, uh, She represented the United States and others in attendance included Prince Charles and Princess Diana, who would have been really early on in their marriage. And this would have been just a few months after the birth of Prince William. Hmm. Stephanie wasn't able to attend the funeral because she was still recovering from her injuries. Now, yeah. comparatively to her mom, her injuries were minor, right. but she did suffer a concussion. I also read something about like she had a fractured neck vertebra uh, and a broken leg. That's lucky. That's that's all it was. I think, you know what I think? Her age just yeah. came into play. I think she's just resilient because she was so young. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're 17, you're... You think you're bulletproof, and in some cases... some cases you are. Certainly more than a 52-year-old woman, yeah. right? So, and, and Stephanie would go on to completely physically recover. Physically. Mm-hmm. So rumors abounded surrounding the accident. And to be honest, I also really fucking didn't appreciate that a lot of the source material on this stuff still played into that, like, the mystery surrounding... And, and then the articles would generally then go on to admit that, no, probably none of this. But it still, like, included all the speculation. Yeah. It was a little it was a little distasteful, I thought. Because uh, there... So there were rumors, like, that... Oh, obviously, Stephanie was driving. That was, like, the biggest one. Uh, that she was arguing with her mom mm-hmm. at the time, and, like, that somehow spurred on the accident. Um, there were also rumors that the mafia killed her by tampering with the car but there's gonna be stupid yeah. shit like that when somebody monica's pretty close to italy yeah who's that but whatever and literally i think it was rainier who literally stated at one point like why would that why would the mafia be after grace kelly so it's kind of one of those well it's technically possible that any number of things happened i think this is an occam's razor sort of situation Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> like there's a lot of evidence extremely consistent she had a, she had a mini stroke she was driving <laughs> she got disoriented she got disoriented and lost control of the car yep uh, end of story pretty simple yeah pretty simple so yeah um, As any of us would have done if we'd had a mini stroke while driving. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I knew a lady um, from our our church uh, when I was growing up who had a stroke while she was driving. God, that's got to be scary as fuck on both ends. Well, I'm not sure which is scarier. It wasn't that scary for her because she lost consciousness. Mm. So she, I mean, I imagine waking up was scary. Yeah, but. The experience itself, from what I understand, I as I recall, like I don't think anybody. Sh- she was she had minor injuries and a stroke 
But I don't think anyone else was hurt. What did happen, though, is she couldn't drive anymore. Sure. Because medically, it was like you could have another stroke. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. So, yeah, it's obviously a pretty Take scary thing. Take away my thing. freedom. No. <laughs> I'm driving for the stroke. Um. So, yeah, the... Yep. Yeah, exactly what you said. A stroke caused the accident. The accident caused a, sec- a second stroke. And then she died. Uh, it, now, one thing I will say is that, you know, there were rumors that she was, Grace and Stephanie were arguing, which wouldn't have brought on a stroke. No. You know, there are medical (laughs) reasons behind stroke. They don't just come on when you're arguing with somebody. I mean, it could raise your blood pressure or whatever, but that's, that's here nor there. But Stephanie has refused to elaborate on what she and her mother were talking about on the car ride. She said it was, quote, Strictly between the two of us, end quote. That is understandable. She has no obligation to explain to anybody. No. So, um, obviously, the accident was highly traumatizing to Stephanie. She said, quote, you cannot imagine the suffering I have endured and that I endure still, mm. end quote, which I completely believe. Um, here's a picture of Stephanie and Grace, like when Stephanie oh, was a okay. teenager. Hmm. Yeah. That's sad. I know. It, it, it really is. Uh, she struggled to find stability in her life after the accident. Again, understandably, eventually she moved to the U.S. in 1986 saying, quote, There was a lot of pressure on me because everyone was saying that I had been driving the car, that it was my fault that I'd killed my mother. It's not easy when you're 17 to live with that. Unquote. And that's or horrible. Or any age. Yeah. But especially, especially when you're still 17. young. Yeah. Uh, Prince Rainier never remarried. He eventually died in 2005 at age 81, and he hmm. was buried beside Grace. So that kind of shows you how young she was when she died, sure. too. Yeah. She could have lived longer. She could technically still be alive. Mm-hmm. She'd be in her 90s, but she could be still alive. All three of their children are still alive. Their son, Albert II, is now the reigning Prince of Monaco, and like I said, his net worth is estimated. Yeah. He's a billionaire. He's doing pretty well. Yep. In 2016, he bought Grace's Philadelphia childhood home that her father had built Mm. uh, for $754,000 and restored it. And then I said, calling it, quote, but I don't know what the end of the quote was. Like, basically, they use it as a family home. Okay. Uh, So (laughs) that was a terrible ending because I forgot to put the quote. quote. But anyway. Oh, well. Yeah. It's a good thing we don't charge anybody for this. (laughs) Yes. So that was the story of the death of Princess Grace. That's a, I mean, yeah, I had, I knew she, obviously I knew she had passed away. Mm -hmm. Didn't know how, didn't know. Didn't know it was a car accident. I knew she had died from a car accident. My favorite murder covered it at one point, which always kind of pisses me off because I'm like, stick to true crime. (laughs) Right. This isn't true crime, but I. Stay in your lane. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) Anyway, whatever. They can do whatever they want. They're like billionaires, but no, they're not. They're millionaires though. They're, they're wealthy. They? Oh, oh, they're okay. wealthy. We'll get there Karen someday. Karen Kilgariff bought a house in uh, L.A. that was oh, okay. seven figures. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> seven figures? That's not right. Yeah, seven yeah. figures. That's right. <laughs> that could be, literally, that could be a million dollar house that looks just like this. That's no, it's a gorgeous house. No, I'm, it's I'm a gorgeous kidding. house. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. A million dollars doesn't go very far in in L.A. County. No, she got a really cute, like, mid-century modern ranch with a... Now I'm talking about people's houses. Never mind. But anyway. um, 
I didn't give a whole lot of time to the rumors and speculation because I think it's rumors, all literally because no, it's just rumors and speculation. It's pointless. And it's so clear cut. Mm-hmm. Like technically, could some of those things be accurate? I guess maybe. But it's a really, it appears to be a very straightforward thing. Yeah. Tragic and horrible. Yeah. But, and really scary because it's just really scary. Anyone could have a stroke or an aneurysm or well, whatever. And, plus, and if you're operating a car, that's a problem. Plus being, dying in a car accident is a fairly common way to die. Mm-hmm. Like there's. That's true. There's been. I, at this true. point, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who died in a car accident. But the way she died mm-hmm. was not terribly common. Like no. usually, it's. Uh, but under the right circumstance, you have a. I mean. Yes. Uh huh. It's it, it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. But do you see why I was kind of trying to come up with some version of a parallel between her and Princess Diana? Because Diana was a princess, mm-hmm. died in a horrible car accident, and. I honestly don't think there's much of one because okay. she wasn't being chased by paparazzi Mm-mm. and Princess Diana also wasn't driving. She was being driven. That's true. That is very true. Um, apparently the, from what I recall. But, but if this guy is just, just talks her into driving, then she's probably fine too. Like he wanted to initially drive, oh, yeah, drive for yeah. her. If she just taken him. Because if she has a stroke the... as a passenger, he's like, well, I'll just drive to the hospital. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. No, that would <laughs> that, that would be exactly what happened. Yeah. Or if they had had a limo. Yeah. Well, that was a bigger car that the, they could the, have the thing that put kill, everything in. The thing that killed her was her driving. I mean, really. Was the fact that she did drive, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it, it is one of those, like, the decisions you make, the little yeah. decisions that you don't think matter. Any other circumstance, she would have been fine. If she was mm-hmm. a passenger or if she just stayed at home. Do you ever think about... I think about that probably more than I average. I don't. There's no point. Yeah. To I me, do. To me, there's no but point. But, like, when I do think about, like, um, there are times where, oh, hey, I'm going to the store. Do you want to come with me? Oh, no, thanks. And then you drive off and I'm like, what if something happens I, to him? You know, I know. It's I really... It's really... I, I do not think those things. I do. That's why I'm a neurotic person. <laughs> Because, I mean, those are the realities it is. that it could happen. Um, which is why I've always said that it's um, it's weird to me when people say you don't think it could happen to you sure. when something traumatic happens. Because I just assume it will. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you're no, like, I'm, re- no, you're no, you're like, I'm ready will. for it. <laughs> so, but um, it was one of the... And she wasn't the only Hollywood star to die in a horrible way in a car crash. James Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it uh, Mariska Hargitay's mom? Was it Lana Turner? Or who was... No, Jane Mansfield? I Damn it. Sure. That's another one I should do. Because Mariska Hargitay has a scar on her face because she was a kid in the car crash that killed her mom. Okay. I'd... Yeah. That'd be another good one to cover. Um Although I try not to call it, cover car crashes all that frequently, because if there's a chance that any of us will die in any of these disasters, a, a car, car crash. crash is a major one. Yeah. Way more than a plane crash. It's the crash. top one. Yes. Uh-huh. And probably most, more most than of earthquakes us, and... Most of us have at least been in a car accident. Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you were in a... I was in a 13 car. <laughs> not pile up. I mean, it wasn't really, but it was spread a bad, out. It was a bad accident. Yeah. yeah. And, 
That's why you're a Volkswagen loyalist. I am uh, now. Yes. <laughs> all the airbags came on and you were fine. <laughs> I was fine. You weren't even sore after. I was not. I was even, the, even the next day, I was completely fine. Yeah, that was that was interesting, but um, but Grace, Princess Grace, was she was a well-known and respected Hollywood actress. And she was a literal princess. She was actual European royalty. So that made her one of the main high profile celebrity accidental deaths. Mm -hmm. Like she's up there. Um, I think often she's eclipsed because of Diana dying in also a horrible car crash. You know, well, it, it's it's also it's two completely different points in history. By the time mm-hmm. Princess Diana dies, media is everywhere. You're absolutely Paparazzi right. Paparazzi are flying all over the place trying to follow also, her. Also, Grace was 31 when Diana was born. They're different generations. Yeah. So they're they're completely and plus uh, uh, Princess Grace is hanging out in Monaco. There's she's just like. But yeah. there was crossover because there Princess was. Diana attended her funeral. There was, but still, so I. I and she hadn't done any acting for a long time. That's by true. This point, she was. So. I will. I will say this. I got the impression she wasn't much in the American spotlight. It probably was more not. of a nostalgic yeah. thing. Because at that point, it really had been it was like twenty five. It was years. probably like my parents being. Oh, I remember Grace Kelly. I'm like, who the fuck is Grace Kelly? Like, yeah. <laughs> but it really did make me want to watch Rear Window or To Catch a Thief or um, what was the other one? I said, damn it. I can't find the page because the pages are all over because of Jesse. Because they've been chewed upon. The other one. Oh, Dial M for Murder. Okay. Yes. Dial M for Murder is a fun one. I like Dial M for Murder. Um, so yeah, just really, I I actually feel the worst for Stephanie. Well, sure. Imagine being seven. So first of all, you're a princess, so you can be kind of fucked up. Because good luck growing up as a normal well-adjusted person um but then when you're 17 you basically witness your you're involved in the same thing that killed your mom Mm -hmm. you probably have survivor's guilt Mm -hmm. you saw your mom like dying maybe not she did Did she okay yeah um because she was thinking i need to get my mom out of here oh that's right because she did say yeah because the car was smoking she thought the car was gonna catch on fire Mm -hmm. Um, and they took Grace to the hospital first, so Stephanie saw her being put on a stretcher and the whole thing. Um, and then, on top of that, to have people saying, oh no, you were really the one who was driving, you killed your mom. Like, that's horrible. Yeah, that is pretty, that's pretty that's fucking terrible. horrible. And from what I could tell, I didn't delve into it too much, because I kind of feel like the lady just deserves a little, hmm? a little grace, to use a poor term in this case, but, um... That she seemed to struggle a little bit in her personal life. Probably. Which probably would have happened anyway because of the pressures of the, like high society or whatever. But um, like also it just fuck you up. Mm-hmm. It would fuck you up. Yes. And so I, I feel badly that she was subjected to that, especially at that age. That's really hideous. That mm-hmm. um, especially when what actually happened seems pretty clear cut. So, but also to be fair, the Royal family didn't do much favors by not being transparent about it or by making it seem like they were trying to hide something. Sure. So there was that. I mean, I kind of get that, but don't go after a minor for it. You know, that's just shit. So anyway, 
You learned a bunch about Monica. I did. About Grace Kelly. Yeah. About how she died. Mm-hmm. Because so. before in my mind, I thought Monaco was a place of maybe like a million people, you know? Itty bitty. 40,000 people. Teeny tiny. <laughs> Although, you know what? I also read that the population doubles during like the tourism season. Oh, I'm sure. Like, it, it's just massive that's, amounts That's of almost the, the reason that country exists. It's just <laughs> Pretty to be, much. Just to be well, tourist Well, that's the only way it can make money because yeah. it's not building internal revenue. Yeah. So, can I tell you something really funny? For years as a, ch- as a child... Uh, you know how bad I am at getting things mixed up in my mind, oh, yeah. like Emma Watson and, and Emma Stone. Um, I got Monaco and Morocco mixed up a lot. That, that's so I easy. thought Monaco was in Africa. It's not. It is not at all. Morocco is in Africa. It is. <laughs> so, one yeah. Of the, one of the 9-11 hijackers was Moroccan. Really? Yes. Hmm. Didn't know that. Moroccan food is good. There you go. Tasty. Not all bad. <laughs> Not all hijackers. All right. I think we need to wrap this one up. Mm-hmm. So this has been, oh, sorry. That was the death of Princess Grace or Grace Kelly. That's right. Oh, happy fourth anniversary to us. Yes. Yay, jazz hands. <laughs> this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.